everybody, it's Bertie here. We are stepping outside with another podcast. Uh, great to have you on board. And today we're talking to our favourite friend, Justin Wilmer from Tackle Tactics. Justin, how are you, buddy? Hey, Paul. Good, good at this end. Hey, folks. Tell me, you've been out fishing recently. How's some of the catches you've been uh, pulling in, mate? All good? Yeah, we've been getting on to plenty of flathead at the moment. So that bit cooler weather there right up in the shallows, sunbaking and uh, no monsters, but, but plenty of fish through to around that sort of mid-60s mark. Mate, they're a good-sized fish, and uh, we see a lot of flathead. I mean, there are fish that uh, generally, you know, they school up during ter- certain times of the year, but uh, they do come through in uh, in larger numbers, obviously, around that sort of August, September. But, you know, they're still going to feed. They're still going to eat. They don't just sort of go and do nothing for 12 months or nine months of the year. The other three, they, they, they feed every day of the year pretty much, don't they? Yeah, and they are a schooling fish as well. So a lot of the time it's just a matter of finding them. You know, you might you might do really well on one bank one day, go back and the moon's a bit different and they're not there. So it's just, just a matter of covering ground, I reckon, and fishing fast until you find them. Once you find one, you often find more. Mate, I get a lot of people asking me, saying, Bertie, tell me about the favourite way of catching flathead. Well, obviously, live herring would have to be probably number one like with live hardy heads. And at times, you know, using a herring jig may not work in other areas that there's no herring. So, mate, it comes down to soft plastics. I mean, they're a great commodity to have in your uh, tackle arsenal. Uh, because realistically, you can keep in the boot of your car. They're not going to yeah, go off, yeah, are they? They're, um, yeah, they're definitely, like I always say to people, if, if you want to get started in lure fishing, soft plastics is a great place to start because it, it's fairly inexpensive to get a packet of soft plastics and a packet of jig heads and you're on your way. And you can get, you know, you can match the bait so easily. There's so many different types of plastics out there that you can choose from. And, and they feel real and they look real, so fish eat them. Mate, people who saw the Step Outside program today, uh, we've been the Sunday, of course, uh, on 7, mate, uh, they, they saw you and I both having a chat about the plastics, obviously, because yeah, they are very real. They The texture feels real. They have stretch. What's the ability into them having so much stretch? Is it a requirement in soft plastics? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because the Z-Man US guys, always say, stop stretching them, stop stretching them. It's not about, the 10 times tough isn't so much about the stretch. It's more about the durability of the plastic. So that's one thing with the Z-Man plastics. When we first started bringing them in a decade or so ago, we spent the first few years just showing people, here, touch it, feel it, it's different. Mm. You know, stretch it. And of course, the stretching happened. Yeah. But um, yeah, that, that durability is excellent because you do, it allows you to rig them over and over again without the jig head tearing the plastic up. And yeah. it also means if, you, if you're catching fish on them, toothy critters and those sorts of things, the plastic lasts a lot longer. So for things like, you know, I know yourself, you travel a fair bit to fish, you know, and if you're, yeah. if you're traveling, you can only take limited gear. So mm. if you can take a 10 times tough, durable, a lab textile of plastic, mm. it's going to last you a lot longer. And the colors are super important as well, mate, because, you know, there's people think, why do you need pink? I, I haven't seen a pink fish out there. Well, maybe if you had a look at Fusiliers, you do get the greens and the blues and all that sort of stuff on the yep. reef. But, mate, um, pink has its place. Yeah, pink is pink is very popular. And I, and for me, I think it has to do with the, the colour spectrum and which colours disappear below the water quicker and all of that sort of thing. So so pink has always been a popular flathead lure and, and it's a popular, popular in tuna and all sorts of fish. But... It's also, we don't know what the fish see. The fish might just see like a pearly white type color. So mm. so pinks and pearls are, are very popular, snapper and that as well. Mm. Uh, but color-wise, yeah, like you say, I, you know, there's so many colors. I just, I generally go for that, that darker, dirt, dirty water, dark silhouette color, clear water, natural color. 
and then I have those fluoros there for in case I need them. I do like uh, I do like those pearl white colours and the motor oil sort of a colour, you know, that you were just describing there, a little bit of a dirtier colour, uh, and, and like the browns. The, the fish tend to love that. Freshwater fish, I've found, really uh, like that darker sort of brown, goldy colours. Yeah, and someone once told me matching the water colour is a good idea as well oh, okay. because the, the bait fish is pretty well designed to blend in with its environment and reflect the tint in the water. True. So those pearly colours and those darker, more naturally looking colours kind of take on the hue of the water a bit more. Mm. So they, they do blend in, they do look natural. And then, of course, the action of the plastic will uh, hopefully attract a bite along with whatever, whatever else we can do to make it look more natural and, and taste and smell and that sort of thing as well. Mate, I was uh, having a fish the other night or the other afternoon out the uh, the Gold Coast Broadwater with my wife and uh, young fellow. And funnily enough, the tailor turned up and the trevally and the birds are diving, the fish are chopping. It was the running tide. It was just prime afternoon, wind dropped off. It was absolutely epic and there was no one else out there fishing. Awesome. Oh, mate, it was 10 out of 10. But uh, as it got dark, right, we were running metal lures. And as obviously, as it got dark, you couldn't really use the metal lure because there was no shine from the sun coming down. The fish sort of turned off, but they were still there. We turned the blue deck lights on around the uh, the Yamaha outboard we've got. And, mate, all the bait fish, a lot of bait fish came into that blue light. And then you could see the tailor darting throughout the blue light, smashing mm. the bait. Now, we changed over and put on one of the Z-Mans. Now, the, the beauty of this is we're dropping it down. It was the minnows. We're dropping it down and then just flicking it like the small frogmouth pilchards that were in that blue light. And the tailor went nuts on them. And we, we were literally polling tailor into the back deck of the boat. And it was, awesome. it was incredible. <laughs> but the, the beauty was... The plastic did not break. Like we caught a lot of tailor, and yes, it had few holes in it from its teeth, but it didn't break. We, I think, we were getting like maybe eight or ten fish per placky before we changed it. That's pretty good. Yeah, yep, yep. And it is amazing. People think, oh, tailor, no chance with the plastic. But oh, no. for us, in recent years, mm. we throw a lot of slugs at Fraser, but the pelagic species will spook the tailor a lot, and they won't feed in the schools. Mm. So if you run a metal through them, it just breaks the schools up, and they spook. Yeah, uh, But for anyone who's packed their gear up, ready to go to Fraser, make sure you put in some half-ounce 3 TT Lewis Headlocks HD jig heads yep. and put in some three-inch minnows in pearl blue glimmer because they, even if they're spooked, even if they're shut down, they cannot resist the plastic bouncing through them. And like you say, like my wife and I have gone for a walk in the morning along the beach spinning tailor and catch up to sort of 20 fish on a single plastic, which is great. Mate, it's uh, it certainly look, and that's the thing is we used to use a lot of weedless hooks in the Southport Seaway. You'd lay up on your placky, cast it right up into the into the shallows. And as you'd pull it back through the wash, because obviously the water goes up into the rocks, and then as it pulls out, you get those little jet streams of water, and that's where the crabs and the bait gets pulled out. But the tail would sit there, wait to ambush. And obviously when you're using those, those headlocks, is you're not going to get snagged onto the kanji. And you're pulling it back yep, through... Yep through the rocks, like you're skipping your plastic over some of the bare rocks, not getting hooked up, great idea. And as soon as they get into that deeper channel, mate, they're just getting absolutely obliterated by good tailor. And I'm talking fish upwards of around three kilos plus. Again, the plastic's holding out. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's that's cool fishing, especially on light gear. Oh man, and that's, that's and that's on that um that's on that chin locks or snake locks, the the yes. weedless jig head from the, T.T. Lewis. Yep, they're, correct. they're dynamite. And and that's another great thing with that Alaztec, that 10 times tough plastic is mm. because when you weedless rig, you only pin the chin of the plastic and then go back up through it. The plastic can break very easily when you're weedless fishing. So mm. that 
more durable plastic will definitely hold together a lot better weedless rigging and you can rig it over and over again. And I actually even know guys that, you know, they'll catch a few fish weedless and if, if they do have a tear in the plastic, they'll turn the plastic upside down yeah. and still and rig it weedless and keep fishing. But definitely, and you could take that same rig that you're whacking the tailor on there mm-hmm. and go and fish how some guys do right up in those shallow weed beds yeah. for the flathead on the goldie and you get stuck into them as well. Mate, when you are looking for flathead, for example, are you looking for, okay, you know, the, the forensics of fishing, you go there at low tide, you see the coffin lies in the water, you know the, the flatties are there at the high tide and you go back and you catch them. But what else are we looking for, mate, in the sense of, say, bird activity? Because sometimes you see 100 shags all lined up in the water. There's a few pelicans diving around. That's sort of a sign that there's bait. The flathead will travel like Taylor to follow the food source. Is that right or wrong? Yeah, bait, bait, birds and bust-ups. There's always <laughs> a lot of things we're looking for as fish shows, the three Bs. The triple and, uh, Bs. And, e- and even yeah, even with the flatties, you know, you'll if you find the bait, bait yeah. on a bank, going to be more active for sure. Birds, like the birds aren't there for no reason. No. Often you'll find weed flats or drains where there's a lot of birds. And, and even if they're not in the water feeding, if they're up on the bank feeding, Yep. That's generally a fairly active flat, and it's good to come back to on the high tide. Yep. So I always look out for birds. I look out for bait. I look out for structure that concentrates the bait yep. as well, like drains or, or weed edges and that sort of thing. And then even the old flatty will bust up the bait a bit as well. So if you see bait kicking and flicking out of the water, yeah. definitely get the lure in there for sure. Mate, I, I, I recall actually going out there and uh, trying for squid only a couple of weeks ago and a flathead were coming up and busting the, the squid jig. Uh, you know, you, yeah. you stay hooked up as much as you can, but generally when they flick their head, you know, off they come. You get the odd one in. Uh, generally, the bycatch when you're catching squid for us up here is uh, uh, flathead and pike. They're the two main yeah, bycatchers. Yep. But uh, quite surprisingly, that, that, that these things, flatties will come up and have a crack of everything. Mate, we mentioned on the program today about Procure uh, scents and all that sort of stuff. Is that a necessity for soft plastics? Yeah, it's it's interesting. The, Pro, the Procure range has grown a lot over the last 10 or so years. And now there's there's bait dives for dyeing your offshore trolling baits. And there's, there's brine and bite for brining up your baits. And squid jig spray and all sorts of things but but that procure super gel scent that original scent is still one of the most popular things and and i think you know we always when i used to bait fish a lot back in the day i'd always be looking for the best bait you know smelly bait yeah depending on the conditions making my own dough and putting secret ingredients in it (laughs) you know so that's all about the smell and the taste for the fish yeah so so it makes sense well makes sense yeah put sense on your plastic yeah so um so that procure is really good. It's, it's it holds the it holds onto the lures really well. So you know some of the scents are water based and they disappear a bit quick, but being a gel sort of based scent, it does stay on a long time. Where do people uh, need to put the scent? Do they like cover the whole lure? Will it detract the lure from its uh, from its action of being you know rubber or plastic that it's going to sort of stop the? It'll make it more rigid. I'm trying to say, or or should we just put a little bit under the belly or on the tail, around the hook, around the jig, the lead? I mean, where should we put the scent onto the plastic? Yeah, I, I'm. I've just I just do what I do. So for me, I try and avoid the line. I have no idea why, but I think because scents are often like the procure is UV enhanced, so it it attracts the fish through you reacting to UV light as well. So I tend to avoid the jig head and avoid the line, and I'll put a dob on each side of the head of the plastic, and then I just slide it down with my fingers right down to the t- tip of the tail. So it's got good coverage across the whole plastic. 
And and I know some guys have some plastics have a belly slot in them. Yeah. So some guys like to squeeze a bit extra up into the belly slot that stays in there for a long time as well. Mate, these uh, obviously, you know, plastics are, are not just for flathead or brim or the estuary species or freshwater species, but also a lot of anglers choose to use them offshore. Now, a lot of people think blue water fishing might be, you know, one to two knot of current pushing in. You get those prevailing southeast trade winds pushing up the coast. It's it's horrible. It's bumpy. And you get those glassy days as well. But at all times, a plastic should be put on the boat with a little bit heavier jig head to allow the depth to get down to, but also the fishing can be red hot on plastics out at sea, yeah? Yeah, yep, definitely. And same, and same thing, I'll, I would scent out there as well. I sent out my plastics everywhere. Like, from what from what I understand with fish, they've got nostrils, they've got little sacs in there. The water moves in and out of their nostrils, Yep. and their receptors in their brain pick up the scents that are in there to tell them that's food. And then uh, they also have taste buds on their tongue like we do but some of them have taste buds in their mouth. They have taste buds on the end of the tentacles. And some of them, I've been told, have even got te- taste buds on their head. Wow. So they can run in, run into the bait schools and swim in through the bait schools and, and taste, oh, yep, these are the guys I'm after. Is and then that they right? eat them. So, yeah, it's a different species. So that, that deep water stuff, definitely scent. And like you say, a bit bigger jig head to get down there. As, as the conditions get glassier and tougher, guys will often reduce the jig head weight mm. to give that plastic a more slow, natural fall. But, um, but if the current and the depth dictates, definitely up that lead size just to get that plastic down there. And you may even, like jerk shads are extremely popular for gliding and floating down there. Yeah. But I know a lot of guys that do really well on a paddle tail heavily weighted. And that way they can put that paddle tail down in the depth and the paddle tail is swimming. So they've actually got a bait fish swimming along at whatever depth they decide to set it at. See, that makes sense because the paddle tail has that big, the larger tail on the end there. So as it's dropping to the bottom, that tail is 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 vibrating like a tuna. It's 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 swimming the lure to the depth. Realistically, it's going to look yeah, life yeah. life like. But uh, I know that the smaller, like your minnows and all that sort of stuff, in close is the light of the jig head. A lot of the fish will actually hit it on the drop. You don't even have to work the lure if you're fishing that sort of 15 to 25 metre mark. For say snapper, northern New South Wales, let's talk Evans Head, Iluka, Woolai. Those areas there are in Coffs Harbour. In those shallow kelpie areas, a lot of the fish will actually smash the lure on the drop. But it all comes down to sounder as well, because if there's no fish or no bait, you're not going to be doing too much on the drop, are you? Yeah, that's right. You want to find those find those really good grounds that are holding the bait. Keep an eye out for birds again, but really, really look for that good bait and structure on your sounder, mm. as well as the fish, and set yourself up a bit of a drift. and And a lot of guys will they'll cast one plastic out, and then they'll work a different lure, or they'll cast one plastic out on a light jig head and allow it to float down like our float lining of pillies, just just allow that plastic to sink slowly while they work another plastic more aggressively on a heavier head. And just mix it up, I think, is the key. Absolutely. And the thing is for people as well, we've got to mention there, is to don't just cast out willy-nilly out the back of the boat to the side of the boat. If, you, if you're drifting in a southerly uh, direction or south-south-east, which is generally the, the case on the east coast, uh, is to cast upstream. So that means cast north of you and let that lure then take the slack as it drifts down beside the boat. So when it's sort of more vertical is when you're going to get the better response to your lure rather than casting it out to the side or out to the back. So by the time it gets to the to the bottom, you've got this ridiculous angle on the line, and you're really not going to feel too much unless something picks it up on the way down. Yeah, that's exactly right. A lot, a lot of guys, that's, that's a common mis- mistake too, to, 
just let the plastic drag along unnaturally with the drift. You really want to punch it up ahead, allow that plastic to fall and glide naturally. And and I, I know a lot of guys that actually, you know, it's a, yeah. a testament to some of our fishing skills at times, but <laughs> the, uh, the, the do-nothing rod actually catches more fish <laughs> than the rod that we're mucking around with, you know, at times. So, but I, I, yeah. was, I was using the, uh, the these new jigs from uh, from Shimano. They're called a Baku Baku. And, and these mm. things are like a, a squid sort of a – an octopus sort of a jig, like the old Lucanus jigs and that sort of stuff. Yes. Uh, and, yep. and, of course, your, your octo jigs, you know. Uh, mate, those things there. And you literally just drop it down, put it in a rod holder. And you turn yep. around, have a sandwich, yep. have a drink, or or fish with a live bait. And and because the motion of the boat, even you rocking, like you going from one side of the vessel to the other side, and you, your rod drops down a foot or two because your boat's leaning over – as it comes back up, bang! On they go, mate. You really, yeah, yep. you, you don't do much, do you? <laughs> Just can't no, and I guess I guess probably the the theory behind those things as well is probably pretty smart. You've got that heavy weight of the body of it, but there's not a lot of action or anything restricting the drop of that lure, so mm. it can get down there quickly. But then once it's down there, it's literally having a party with all of those, you know, the, all the little skirt and tentacles and everything out of it. So it's it's up and down, like you say, you know, there's, there's legs and arms and everything going everywhere. So it's attracting plenty of attention, but it's also holding well at depth and, and good contact with the rod as well. It's like I actually had a really good, those lacanuses, I had a had a good session uh, with the, the guys down in Arno Bay, South Australia, yep. uh, years back, years back. And, oh, that was incredible fishing and, Cole from Shimano actually got a 20 kilo snapper uh, just just before we got down there. It was the biggest snapper I've ever seen in my life, oh, like a man. meter and a half long or something ridiculous. Yeah, he huge. had it in the cold room just to bring it out and show us when we got down there, <laughs> and um and and Dunt uh, yeah. rest rest him great bloke. Lovely uh, man. Dunt Dunt um actually got a, a 20 pounder, so 10 kilo snapper or whatever on a 1000 uh, Stella fishing in the shallows. So it was a pretty yeah. wild trip, but. Yeah, some good fish yeah. got caught on those jigs and plenty on plastics as well. Mate, uh, the other one I want to talk to you about as well is um, obviously if you're going to drop down a good placky for kingfish, what's the go there? Should we in- increase the not only the weight of the head but also the gauge of the hook to suit the lure? Yeah, it's a, it's a, tr- it's a tricky one with, with kingies because they, they turn up throughout the water column, so mm. d- depending on where you're chasing them. But, yeah, if you want to get, if you want to get deep, um, one thing Tackle Tactics has done, TT Lures has put together headlocks extreme heads as well. So you now you're talking two ounce, three ounce, four ounce, like big, big weight heads if you need them. Yes. And then they come fitted with nine O's and ten O's, like big, big hooks. So, so I, I generally, you know, I say to people, it, it's luckily when you get into the bigger plastics, it works. In the little ones, it doesn't. But a lot of the time, you can go three inch, three O, four inch, four O, five inch, five O, six inch, six O. And, and you're going to be fairly close. So a 7-inch center jerk shad is very popular with a 7-0 in it, 8-inch streaks XL with an 8-0 in it. And then when you get up to the 10-inch heroes and those bigger plastics, yeah. you really want to be getting up to some of those big hooks yeah. just just so that you do have a fair amount of hook coverage in that plastic yeah. and enough gape of the hook sticking out. And then some guys will also put some stinger hooks on the back of those bigger plastics as well. Mate, one thing I, I noticed uh, when it comes down to fishing – Finding the fish on your sounder is, uh, I, I learned something recently. I was out with Leroy Hoyton from Shimano and we went out uh, fishing up north. And on the sounder, you look for your bait, 
but also you will see the bigger fish on your bait, uh, depending on what you're running. We'll run in Garmin on that day. Is uh, yep. You'll see your longer elongated lines, and as they're sort of on that 45-degree angle on top of each other, that you can that's them in the feeding zone of the bait school. And uh, all we're doing there is just going up at only five metres and then casting a little bit further in front of the boat, letting it drift down, and you can actually see your line going straight into that school of fish that we're feeding, and, and you're on instantly. That, yeah. It's that sort of key, key element of, of fishing that would, you know people can easily learn once they know how to obtain the knowledge, yeah? Yeah, and that's, and that's spot on with the fish. Like, technology is just insane now, yeah. what you can see and what you can do fishing. Mm. And there's some, there's some crazy footage of um, cod, big Murray cod, rising and you know they're stopping they're going they're stopping they're going with the lure and just driving that lure until it drives the fish to eat it which is incredible and like like you say with the lines like for me i learned a lot about sounders fishing freshwater um because the bass you find a bass girl and they're flat lined it's just a flat line of fish sitting tight in the school holding to the bottom or whatever you know you're going to have a tough day getting them to open their mouth and then move around and those zigzags of fish on your sounder and the screen's lit up with these 45 degree angles. Yeah. Like you say, these fish are switched yeah. on, they're actively feeding. You don't know how long you've got. You've got to get stuck into them while you can. Yep. And um, and you can virtually, in some, some of those situations where they're feeding like that, you can try and get the lure away from them and they'll still mow it down and eat it. So it's, it's definitely that that sounder is important. So important to use your, your, use your eyes. You know, I say to people, if you go, go to new areas, Use your eyes and look around first and go, okay, where's my visual structure? Where's my, my first structure to look for? Yep. I'll go and hit that and have a look around. Yep. And while I'm cruising around the new area, I'm looking for secondary structure. So I'm looking for stuff I can see below the water and I'm looking for stuff I can see on the sounder and I'm looking for bait and I'm looking for fish and mark any good structure as you go around so that you can come back and, and check it again because one area might not hold fish on one stage of the tide tide turns and boom, that structure comes to life. So mm. it's worth just marking all of that good structure you find, marking any bait, marking any schools of fish, and just starting with that key structure that you can see. Does your sounder look like mine or your GPS plotter? Uh, it looks, you know, like, a, <laughs> like a, you, you pull up and you, you know, you pull up to one mark. You originally had one mark out on the reef or in the bay or whatever. And at the time you finish with it, it looks like a pin cushion. And the next time you go yeah. there, you think, yeah. wait, hang on, where, where, where was that uh, that rock? Because there's 55 marks around it. The fish move around those areas, and obviously you can drag the fish with you um, when you are fishing, particularly with plastics, because you, you, you're pulling the school away from a certain area. Yeah, yeah. and once they get fired up too, some fish, mm. like sometimes it can take a, take a little while to switch a school on, and then once you do and that school fires up, then they all want a piece of the action. And you, at times you'll find the fish trying to eat the lure out of the other fish's mouths and that sort of thing once they do get fired up but yeah that's the, a couple of other things probably with the sounder that people often neglect is you don't just have to use your sounder to mark fish either or mark bait and um like you said you know you end up with this pin cushion of marks yeah. so i actually use my sounder at times to mark if i find a big drain or i find a creek or something yep. i'll go in there at low tide and i'll actually mark each side of the creek or the drain mm. and i call it a runway like landing a plane Yep. And that way, when I come to fish that area, I can still investigate it at high tide, Yeah. but I've got my runway there. So I know where the bank edges are, even though the tide's in, and I can work back along that runway and work those edges at any stage of the tide, which is also a handy thing. And then, and then of course, drift lines as well. 
we use them a lot of the time to, to mark drift lines with our you know our tracks that we leave on our sounder so mm. some people that's probably a trick they could learn if you're working a flat or you're working the open ocean use those drift lines to make sure you're covering ground and then hopefully as you cover more ground you find more structure find more fish find more bait and of course uh, when it comes down to uh, kayak fishing that's a that's a great piece of advice and not just for boats because you know you're getting into the shallows with the, with the yak you can find those smaller drains because the fish are going to sit on those areas there particularly when that tide starts to run out it is the runaway they're lining up on the banks and on the drop off for any prawns or small bait to get ripped out of those particular gutters yeah and and i've had a lot of sanders on kayaks over the years and, and they're definitely handy for a lot of reasons. And modern sounders, you can see the difference between weed and sand, yeah. which is a which is a great thing for kayak anglers, especially like myself, if you target flathead and stuff. You can go up onto an area where you know there's a sandy drain, and if the water's dirty, you can't tell whether you're in the drain or not. But with your sounder, you can drift across and go, oh, there we go, there's the drain. I can see where the weed drops to sand. And so it allows you to dr- set up a drift and drift that drain, or you can anchor in that drain and fish that drain properly without having to deal with so much weed. And that's and that's a thing is you really need to understand you know the, the way the current moves, where the weed beds are, you know, w- whether you're going to be interrupting a, a fish lie uh, when it comes to the current and the wind because you don't want to drift right over the top of their heads, particularly if you're in a foot or two of water. Yeah, yeah. And especially with drains, like for me, I'll often start quite wide out from the drain and I'll fish the mouth of the drain regardless of what the tide is. And then I'll I'll work my way up into the drain, fishing up into the drain, just so you don't spook those flathead and those other fish that are laying in there. That's and right. you might pick up a good mixed bag of species around the mouth as well. I was recently recently fishing with my wife Sherry, and we we went to fish a spot, and I misjudged the tide, and I got cranky. We couldn't get into the gutter we wanted to get into, and she told me to pull my head in and come back over and fish a different spot. And um, I came back across, and I got about a seventy centimeter flathead, which was nice. Yep. And then we got up to the next drain, and the next drain, I hooked something totally different. It did a few runs and jumps, and turned out to be a nice queenfish. So yeah. you just you never know what you're going to come across in the mouths of those drains either. No, mate, you you certainly don't. And wherever you are around the country, and this is what you know we, we try and preach on our fishing show is that you have the ability to use the technique in your area. Okay, we might be fishing Morton Bay. And I don't expect anyone from Caratha to come fish Morton Bay. But what I do or would like to see is a, a technique that you're using with your plastic or with your kayak or whatever, and you're using that technique back in your home ground. Uh, and it's the same with Caratha guys. If you've got a great technique and you put it up on the show or YouTube or whatever, and you, you are visually seeing that, then you are grabbing that technique and putting it into your backyard. It's all about learning. We never stop learning. And, and, yeah, and if, you can, if you can keep on doing that, then... You know, the world would be probably a nicer place. Hey, I was using the Seek Mako kayak. It's a 3.9 metre. It's a, a blue camouflage or blue camo uh, kayak, fishing kayak there uh, from Anaconda. I took that out to the reef, uh, wreck reef there, a couple of weeks ago. And I'll tell you what, mate, that thing there is as solid as they come when it comes to a kayak. Uh, plenty of fishing room on it. You've got plenty of storage on it. You've got perfect rod holders on it. What are you running, mate? What's your favourite kayak? Because I know you're a keen yak fisherman. Yeah, I, uh, I always I always say to people, you need more than one kayak, yep. but buy the kayak that you use for 99% of your fishing. Right. You know, because because that, that kayak that you talk about there is absolutely perfect yep. for punching offshore, mm. travelling long distance, longer waterline, it'll go faster, it'll paddle easier. 
Yep. Um, but then if you're a guy that's throwing it on the throwing it on your ute and throwing it in the back creek, yep. Then you wanna you wanna drop the size down and the sit in versus sit on top and the, there's a stack of variables in terms of kayak. So definitely do your research. I've got I've got a long kayak, I've got a short kayak, I've got a sit inside kayak, I've got a pedal kayak. I've got a stand-up paddleboard, a float tube, you know, because I, I don't know. I like to go, oh, this would be perfect for that or whatever. But but for most people, if you get get one of those kayaks around that ten foot long, yep, for your for your smaller estuary work and that sort of thing, fresh water, and when you're not covering so much distance, and if you get one of those slicker, faster-looking thirteen-foot style kayaks like that one of yours, yep, for covering distance and and offshore and all that sort of thing, and and always just remember. To, to go out there with no gear first, tip yourself out, get back on, tip yourself out, get back on, you know, learn to understand yeah. the limits of your vessel yep. and also the limits of yourself and make sure you've got good, plenty of safety gear with you. Mate, that's a topic we're going to have to come back to because, you know, there's a lot involved in, in uh, purchasing a, a kayak or any sort of flotation device, not just a boat, uh, but, you know, people wanting to get out there and, and wet a line. And there's also a... The do's and the don'ts. There's a lot of precautions uh, that I think we need to cover on that. Uh, it, it is a whole new topic. And, of course, and it also goes into a boat. What should you be looking for in a boat? How should you approach the deal? Are you getting the right trailer for your boat? I mean, this is stuff that yeah. you and I take for granted. We, we know this stuff. So, you know, I'd love to have this chat with you in depth uh, down the track uh, for our listeners who are interested in purchasing something like that and hopefully we can guide them yeah. in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. And a nuts, a nuts and bolts sort of kayak paddle watercraft one mm. is probably well overdue as well and, yeah. and definitely worth covering. And and even in terms of, you know, the what are the 10 key accessories that you carry with you in a kayak, you know, to, to improve your experiences. Hey, Justin, yeah. we're going we're gonna to wrap it up there, buddy. I really appreciate your time. And that is another topic we're going to get to uh, in the not too distant future. So everyone stay tuned, mate. Thanks for your time again, buddy. Greatly appreciated. Sounds good. I'm about to go grab my dad and we're going to go and chase a few fish. Ah, uh, Mate, you're always on the water. Absolutely <laughs> love it. Living the dream. There you have it, everybody. Uh, Justin from Tackle Tactics. And uh, we've got some big news there that Justin's doing a, a move shortly. So, uh, mate, I look forward to having chat with you about that one uh, again in the not too distant future as well yeah yep stay tuned I look forward to sharing that with you guys out there and fish on good on you mate take it easy everyone and thank you very much for that Justin that's it guys for our another step outside podcast greatly appreciate your time and of course as we love to say to you take it easy out there and may your rod bend often <laughs>